This podcast is brought to you by eRadio. For more podcasts, check out our website on eradiosa.com or download the eRadio SA app from the Google Play Store. Enjoy. Today I have a really really interesting guest here on the E Radio and uh, it's just going to blow your mind because it certainly blow or blew my mind and I just want to say a big thank you to uh, John Ray our weather hooligan who uh, told me about uh, this uh, very very interesting person Donovan Lipgott he's talking to us uh, this afternoon and he is a citizen seismologist but there's a twist and that's what makes uh, the story so fascinating uh, Donovan is visually impaired so I, I mean this is just incredible it blew my mind right from the get-go Donovan welcome to e-radio thanks uh, thanks for having me I appreciate it now Donovan let's go way back in time uh, you said to me uh, just now off air you are t- what are you 24 right yes that's correct okay so that's still young so you where did it all start where did you you have a specific interest obviously in earthquakes how did it all start and how did it all come about especially being visually impaired okay so let's take you back to 2014 with the Orkney earthquake um, that was a magnitude 5.5 that which was felt very widely across South Africa even in the Cape I, I, I've heard that got me started because I was still in school in grade 11 in fact in that at that time and um, I felt the quake because I was on the upper floor in my IT class. That was a very coincidental moment. And I decided, wow, the, the power of the earth is just so amazing. I have to study it or I have to uh, look at it more closely. And that's where it all started back for me in, in 2014. So then you obviously had to get uh, some equipment and equipment suited to your needs. What did you buy or how does it work? How do you measure it? How do you listen to the earthquakes? Tell us a bit more about the technical side of it. Okay, so um, yes, the equipment is basically, I just have a a PC, um, uh, just a normal PC. Um, I would like to upgrade in the future, but a normal PC is fine for for now. But what that uh, does, I... um, I have speech software on my computer called a screen reader that uh, reads everything on screen for me. So I can go around with a keyboard or mouse or whatever, and, and it will read what's on the, under the, the cursor at the time. And how the software works, I'm, uh, I'm also a programmer. I program in Python and C++ and all kinds of stuff like that a little bit. And so I developed the software that measures these earthquakes uh, based on um, seismometers. Now, a seismometer is a instrument that records ground motion so the shaking from the earthquake so it will shake sideways up and down all kinds of directions and this gets transferred to a data center uh, in america and i pull the data from there uh, insert it into my software and the software obviously do does analysis and then it detects an earthquake if there are three or more stations in a certain radius that detected a high value of uh, amplitude in the ground motion so, and we, when that's done, it collects more and more data until every station has been checked. And then it will tell me, okay, this is where the earthquake occurred, how deep it was, what the magnitude is, et cetera, et cetera. And then you actually have uh, uh, sound clips of it and uh, you analyze it, which is uh, incredible. And we're actually going to listen to some of those sound clips uh, today in the, during the uh, interview. Um, let's look at the first one that we're going to listen to today. Can you tell us a bit more about uh, this first event? 
All right. So the first event is a very, very large event that occurred in the South Sandwich Islands region, which is about 5,200 kilometers from South Africa, roughly. Now, this event took place on August 12, 2021, so not too long ago, at about, uh, let me see, 8.32 South African Standard Time. And it had a magnitude of 8.2, which is very large. Yeah. And this occurred in this subduction zone. So a subduction zone is where one plate pushes underneath another one and it lifts the um, upper plate with it. And then it lifts it and lifts it and then finally it breaks. And that's what causes the earthquake. So some of those are very large. You can think about the 2004 Indian Ocean quake that caused the tsunami, which was a magnitude 9.1. Same exact mechanism that played a role in that earthquake. So yes, the sound that you're going to hear is um, produced by this earthquake and it was recorded by the station in Bosov in South Africa, which was about 5,300 kilometers away. You can definitely hear the nice rumble of this event uh, as it was so far away, it could, have, it could pick up all the low frequencies. So this event was sped up by 200 times. In fact, all the events that we're going to be covering were sped up by 200 times so that humans can listen to them. Uh, and then it was converted into an, an audio and video file uh, so that you can also see the ground motions. Fantastic. Let's listen to uh, the first clip right now of uh, this event. Wow, that is certainly right, so, fascinating. Let's move on to the second event. Uh, okay, so the second event that we'll be covering is uh, one that took place in Mozambique, so close to home. It took place in 2006 on August the 22nd at around 12 o'clock yeah, South African Standard Time in the evening, so let's say August 23rd rather than. Mm. It measured 7.2 on the Richter scale, so it was quite big as well. This was caused by also a type of fault, but this one was caused by a normal fault, so... It, the plates they are moving um, against each other, so they're grinding against each other as they move past one another. This was the, was uh, a result of a fault slipping on the Labombo Mountains, and those places. Uh, there's a lot of mountains in that area, mm. so that was caused the event. And you can definitely hear this event was quite large, and there were many aftershocks. Sure. If you if you would listen to this. You would hear bang, 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 bang afterwards, <laughs> after the main shock. That's that's the earth trying to settle back into its position. Yes, it's, it's like, amazing. hey, I've been shaken now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to, like, just uh, hang with me, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but I hope you enjoyed this next clip. And it was certainly felt widely across South Africa, Mozambique, and also even in Swaziland and Botswana. Okay, here we go. That's our second clip. Let's listen to it. Now we move on to uh, the, uh, that was a very interesting one. That was uh, uh, the uh, second one we looked at today. Now we move on to the third event. Donovan, where did uh, this earthquake occur? This uh, third event was uh, in Botswana in 2017. And this event measured 6.5 on the Richter scale. 
This was caused by, in fact, uh, a study determined hydraulic fracturing that took place three years earlier. They injected fluids into the crust. And this event uh, was a result of that because of the release of energy uh, of, of fluid escaping underground uh, from the borehole and obviously causing some uh, destruction. So uh, this event was widely, also widely felt across South Africa. Even in Johannesburg, people said that they had to run out of their buildings because they thought they were going to collapse. Mm, mm. In fact, this tremor wasn't so severe. It's quite strong it wasn't so bad that it would affect us in, in a bad way. Mm. Um, but this event, you can also, uh, a very massive uh, main event and then a lot of aftershocks as well. Let's listen to it. Wow, that was a big one. And now your audio device is not falling apart. We are listening to some earthquake sounds this afternoon with the seismologist, the citizen seismologist, Donovan Liebgott. Now we move on to the next event. This was uh, the event that took a lot of people's attention last year. Sometime in the, um, in the September, you might have actually recalled the panic on social media. Mm. This event took place 1,600 kilometers off the coast of Cape Town. Ooh, uh, yes. This event measured 6.2 on the Richter scale. Uh, some agencies say 6.1 or 6.2, but it doesn't matter. It was quite a large event. Now, this event took place close to the Prince Edward Islands uh, and the Marion Island, which is an, a group of islands in the subantarctic, uh, which is owned by South Africa. Now, they usually use it for research, like weather and stuff. They usually go there on um, Arctic expeditions once every uh, six months or so. Um, but this uh, quake was caused by uh, also a, a normal fault, uh, also moving past each other. This is quite rare, uh, but the islands are volcanic, so they, and there might be a link between that and mm. with the earthquake that was caused there. But this event, you can also hear, uh, hear two distinct bangs. Now, let's talk a little bit about phases. Now, phases of an event is um, the arrivals of different waves. So the P phase is the primary phase and this phase cannot be felt by humans usually it, it because it's uh it doesn't shake the ground it actually moves like a sound wave so sometimes you may hear the the, the p phase it was sort of a rumble or, mm. uh, so and the second phase is the s phase that's the secondary phase this event shakes the ground perpendicular to the movement of the sound wave so backwards and forwards and sideways all kinds of ways this is the waves that cause the most destruction in any earthquake um now, if you listen to this recording, you can hear the bang for the first phase and then a few seconds later, a bang for the second phase That as it arrives at the station that was about uh, 2,000 kilometers away from the epicenter, also recorded in Boswell. All the sonifications are done at this station. Let's listen to it. That's event number four. Let's listen to it. Well, Donovan, I want to ask you, a, a lot of times when we have these events, uh, and a lot of people in Cape Town told me, um, way before it happens, and, and we as humans feel it, our pets start acting weird. Why is that? Is that can, they, can they feel the rumble or hear it coming before we do? 
Yes, this is a highly disputed topic among scientists because an earthquake only has a certain amount of time for you to actually feel it because it depends on where you are located. If you are located far away from the epicenter and it's a large event, then the dogs and animals might actually hear the, the first arriving waves, uh, the P waves that we cannot feel. So that, that could be. Uh, but if you locate it close to an event, let's say, for example, the event was about 10 kilometers or so for, away from you, there's no way that any dog can uh, hear that event coming before you can. So it all depends on location, I suppose, and also uh, type of event and how big the event was, and also the type of soil and rock. So, yes. Very interesting. Uh, people always tell me there is quite a rumble before it. It, it almost sounds like uh, thunder in uh, the distance. Yeah, that, that would be due to um, the P phase arriving, and then obviously the shaking will start shortly afterwards. Mm. Um, but yes, it's, it, it doesn't always work that way. I mean, there have been exceptions and, and other kinds of things, but um, sometimes you can hear the uh, quake. I mean, when I just experienced the Orkney earthquake, I could hear it uh, before I felt it. I'm like, wow, wow, what's going on? And then it shook for about 90 seconds. I, I actually uh, did a stopwatch. I'm oh. like, wow, that was a big so it was scary and we didn't I actually wanted to run out of the classroom and then one of our lights our globes in the ceiling fell down and it was dust uh, and the school building was about 60 years old so you can imagine it was a bit scary and it was on the top floor so <laughs> oh my word yeah that's very very scary okay so let's move on to our second last event forward today this is number five where are we going right now I just spoke of that and that is we're going to Orkney uh, in August ah. 2014 we were shaken by, uh, on August 5th, at around 12.22 p.m. South African Standard Time, we were shaken by a massive mining event that measured 5.5 on the Richter scale. This is uncommon because mining events usually are not this large. Mm -hmm. um, this event was probably caused by people drilling into a fault line or an unknown fault, and they didn't expect it to move. So what happens in underground mining is you hollow out the earth and um, the earth naturally has dikes and faults uh, that are within this crust. Like I told you about the pie being fragmented. If you bake it, you look at a pie and you see all these cracks. Mm. That's exactly how the earth is underground. There's all kinds of cracks and, and stuff going in uh, in the earth. And if you mine, you essentially, you essentially take the, um, the soil out and this soil wants to come down, so you, we put in support, but this support and the soil around it is under immense pressure. Now, if you mine for a long time, you can build up even more pressure in the form of kinetic energy because of the drilling and the blasting and all of that. And eventually, this energy wants to be released, and it does so via fault line, and this ruptures, causing uh, what miners call a rock burst, but we, what we know is an earthquake. So a rock burst is when material gets ejected from this fault line, rock and soil, and it can actually seriously damage anything nearby like people and excavations and etc etc so this earthquake was very powerful i mean uh, there were 34 miners uh, that had injuries one person died as a result of a wall falling down in orkney so it was quite a tragic event for us um, not uncommon in the world but again for south africa this is quite a, a rare event now if you listen to this event you hear a very loud bang and then a lot of aftershocks uh, as well just tell me again, Donovan, what was uh, this one measured on uh, the Richter scale? This one measured a 5.5 on the Richter scale. Okay, let's listen to it.
Wow. And then for our last one, Donovan, where are we going for event number six? For event number six, we are going to Johannesburg. Oh, uh, let's say about uh, Boxburg, those areas. So maybe more on the west-hand side uh, or east-hand side, but it's still in Johannesburg. A lot of people mm. felt this event quite extensively because it was in a populated area. And this event was tiny compared to the ones we covered. We measured 3.6 on the Richter scale. Some agencies reported 4.2, but remember, non-South African agencies don't use the data we have at available uh, locally. They use global sensors, mm. so they can't detect small earthquakes. So their measurements are usually about a magnitude or so off from the real measurements. Okay, but this event measured 3.6 on the Richter scale. This is essentially the same as uh, 30 tons of TNT being detonated uh, underground. Sure. So you can imagine, it was quite energetic. And this event was felt by a lot of people. And with this event, you only hear two bangs, bang, bang. And that was caused by the primary and secondary waves arriving at the station, which was some 300 kilometers away. So it's not near, but it's quite, it will give you a good idea of what it sounded like. Also, you'll hear that this event is much smaller and it echoes a little bit. Now, the echo is caused by what we call attenuation. So this is another point I wanted to raise. That's why people in South Africa can feel events above a certain magnitude very, very far away. It's because the, the seismic waves don't attenuate. They don't uh, lose their energy over a long distance. So they travel and travel because our rocks are so old uh, in this area. Because remember, we are one of the first cratons that ever formed about three, four billion years ago. So our ro rocks are very old. So this means that they are very, very hard. Granitic rocks, um, iron ore, all kinds of rocks that are very, very uh, hard and brittle. So they carry seismic waves quite, um, quite good. So it's like electricity, for example. It's like a copper wire carrying all that electricity from wherever the power station is to your house, basically. Mm. Okay. If I can explain it in that way. Yeah. Let's listen to it uh, right now, Donovan. Wow. And that's uh, it for uh, our events today, all the uh, amazing events all across South Africa. Hopefully we won't live through another incident like uh, Tolbach. Remember the uh, Tolbach uh, earthquake, uh, Donovan? That was in, uh, well, according to yeah. Wikipedia, the 29th of September, 1969. It was only 6.3 on the Richter yeah. scale. You know, I would think it would have measured much more than that if you look at uh, the devastation and, and 12 people losing their lives. Yes, that event was significant because it occurred in an area that, where there are a lot of fault systems, uh, especially in the valley there in the Sierras and Wooster areas. There are two major fault structures that dominate that area. Um, but we don't know exactly which one was, resp was responsible for this uh, earthquake. But 6.3 is not that small. I mean, it, it can really shake up some buildings. And mm. if your building is pure, poorly constructed, can seriously damage it. I think that's what happened to the hotel in the, in the town. It was built in 18, I don't know exactly when, but it was made of uh, um, stone and mud. And you know, so it was a very old construction. Mm. And that suffered. Because, I mean, that it wasn't designed for earthquakes. And um, our buildings nowadays are quite strong. So um, I think people don't have to worry too much about these things. Like we say, scientists uh, can't uh, predict earthquakes. We are trying. I mean, I'm working on an, uh, uh, an early warning kind of application to see if I can uh, de uh, detect 
uh, earthquakes a little bit before the time. Mm. Um, like if people, are, if you are a good um, few uh, kilometers away from the event, maybe a, a few seconds warning. I mean, you can at, at least, least get out the building for a big stake. Yes, but it's very difficult. Like I say, I mean, computing technologies and stuff have come a long way, but they're certainly not where they are supposed to be in terms of data science and stuff like that. I want to ask you, Donovan, where is the safest place to be during a, an earthquake? Uh, somebody said to me, you run outside because then you can just stand there and, uh, you know, you won't have a boulding falling on you because that's what kills people, the boulding's falling in on you. Uh, where do you think is the safest yes. place to be? Yes, if you are in a position to get outside, get outside as quickly as, as possible. Stand way away from any buildings, glass, anything that can fall down and, and uh, seriously hurt you. If you're not a- able to get outside, like if you're on a scry- skyscraper or something, uh, you must just um, go into a steady room, like a safe, for example, if it's a very bad earthquake, because a safe is normally a one-piece construction. So there's a little risk of it falling down on you. If you can't do that, climb under a table, a sturdy table, and hold on, because uh, as most skyscrapers that are built today are, are quite good at withstanding uh, seismic energy. They can sway and move in all kinds of directions, so yeah. you don't have to worry too much about them. I saw a video on that on, on YouTube, the way they build buildings nowadays, especially in China or, or wherever they have uh, most of those earthquakes, or is it Japan? And, uh, Japan. Actually, yes, Japan, yeah. right? And they uh, build them amazingly. Yeah. It's almost like a, a shock absorber system built in below that building, and that building can really, really stand uh, despite a lot of jolts. Yes, yeah, that's correct. So they also use like, uh, like uh, joint systems so that the mm. building can stretch. For example, so that it can accommodate. Um, yes, and Japan in the Ring of Fire—that's the most active area in the world for earthquakes. Because remember, the Ring of Fire is a series of volcanoes that runs right around uh, most of the globe in the Pacific Ocean. Um, so that is—that's quite scary to live there. I mean, they have earthquakes like we do, uh, like mining tremors, uh, like 3.6s every single day of their life. Yeah, I've I've seen that. You know, people just casually walking in the store, the whole place is shaking, but they don't really bother. They just continue buying stuff and then the stuff actually falls off the shelves into their trolleys and then just carry on just like a normal day. I mean, I would freak out. I mean, I remember, I don't know, it was around 2010, I think, here in the Garden Route in, in South Africa. We, uh, had a, we had a slight tremor and uh, I can't remember even what yes. it was on the Richter scale, but it was just a slight tremor and I was upstairs at the time, so I felt it more than the people downstairs. They didn't feel anything. And um, yeah. I freaked out because my little workstation I was working on with my laptop was actually shaking for about five to seven seconds. And that was enough to really spook me. Yes, I think it's because we are not used to things like this. Uh, and a lot of people ask me also, is this happening more frequently? Well, it isn't because, I mean, earthquakes are a fact of life in any uh, on any continent. I mean, even Antarctica, I have them. But they are very small, and they, we call them ice quakes because ah. obviously this, the 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 area there is frozen. There's nothing. Yes. But they even have that. I mean, if if we live on Earth, it will move because remember the Earth is made out of um, twelve tectonic plates. Uh, mm. So seven continental plates and five oceanic plates that move uh, sure. every single ta- every single year, centimeter by centimeter. I mean, we are moving. Uh, like, for example, in the East African Rift System, there in Kenya and, and uh, um, uh, those places, uh, the Earth is actually splitting apart there very slowly, causing uh, a new ocean. I mean, the Red Sea will flood into that area in a few million years.
So you can imagine we have a, we will have a new African continent. So I don't know. <laughs> Somalia <laughs> will be its own island. I don't know. <laughs> Donovan, uh, just in closing, uh, I want to ask you, uh, Kuburg. People are worried about Kuburg, the uh, nuclear power station in the Cape. They worried about that fault line that apparently runs below Kuburg. Uh, what is your take on it? Yes, the Monaton fault does run um, um, in uh, underneath Kuburg. Uh, there have been a lot of papers published about uh, the risks, but I think we, we we are okay because I mean Kuburg was designed so that they can you know, it can stand a magnitude eight earthquake, which hopefully in our lifetimes will never happen in South Africa because mm. that would cause damage all the way in, in Johannesburg. So you can imagine, uh, uh, but people don't have to be worried. I mean, experts have everything under control in in that area. I suppose I think they know a bit more than I do, but I can tell you guys that. And a magnitude 8 earthquake occurring is not likely, um, not in mm. the next, I don't know how many years, but we have never had an earthquake in South Africa above magnitude 6.3. Um, You're right. So, yeah. yes. And that 6.3 was uh, the Torbach one in uh, 1969, is that correct? Yes, that's the, that's correct. That was the highest. So nothing above 6.3 yet. But listen, it is 2021, so you just don't know what's going to happen anyway. <laughs> yeah no that's true <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen but man this was so fascinating we should actually do a follow up at one stage as well Donovan thank you so much for your time if people want to get in touch with you can they uh, get in touch with you on social media yes um, they can they can follow my Facebook page it's Donovan Lipcott so I'll just quickly spell that D-O-N-A-V-I-N L-I-B-E-B G-O-T-T um and they can also get in touch with me via my website. That is https colon slash slash www.eqmonitor.org.za. Let me repeat that. https colon slash slash www.eqmonitor.org.za. Fascinating. I haven't uh, visited your website yet, so I'm definitely also going to do that. Donovan, thank you so much. Uh, This (laughs) was so interesting. Uh, Thanks for your time and keep doing what you're doing. I think it's bloody phenomenal. Thank you very much. Oh, and one last thing I wanted to say. Mm. Uh, If if people want to also get daily updates on earthquake activity, they can follow the Severe Weather Alerts South Africa group as well on Facebook. I usually post all my updates in there as well. Oh, brilliant. Okay, great stuff. Noted. Thank you, and it was a pleasure having this interview with you. And thanks for everything. It was a pleasure having you on the show, Donovan. Thanks so much. This podcast was brought to you by eRadio. For more podcasts, check out our website on eradiosa.com or through the eRadio Essay app from the Google Play Store.